All right, so we're going to do things a little different this week than we normally do here at Christ the King. And I've actually got some folks that are coming join me. I'm going to ask my panel if they'll come and hang out with me. I'll introduce them in a moment. I asked four people from our church a basic question because I had a moment last week. I was out with my family, and I had one of those moments when I kind of saw like this, this too shadowy type of figure standing out in front of me. And I looked at them, and I realized that they were my children. Only they are now 20 and 18. They are young. It's a young man and a young woman. And I looked and I thought to myself, I wonder if I have done everything that I could do to fill in the blank for Braden and McKenna with who God really is. Because we've been doing this series, right? God is. We've been filling the blank every week, and we're going to do that all the way through the summer. If you come next week, we're going to do the second most popular answer, which was God is disappointed. I grew up thinking that God was disappointing and disappointed. We're going to find out neither one of those is true. So parents, if you come back next week, that's what we're going to be unpacking. But I had that moment. Have I put into my kids, have I filled in the right blank for them with God is? Do they know who God is? So I asked some parents to come and hang out with me just a little bit. And uh, so I'm going to ask you guys, just, can you just introduce yourselves first? We'll start with Chad. Chad, tell, tell us who you are. Uh, I'm Chad Hoffman. I'm the children's pastor here, and I have a one-year-old baby girl. Okay. Nikki? Oh, sorry. Uh, I am Nikki Wesselman. I am a mom of three. I've got two up here in the front and one back there somewhere. Um, <laughs> and yeah. Hey. My name is Chris Wesselman. I get to do life with this beautiful woman. And uh, we have the same kids, so. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and just so you know what they do around here. So Nikki has actually been a volunteer in our, in our high school like for years and years. She loves kids. We're talking about that. Chris actually serves on our church council. You know, one of our deacons is just, uh, yeah, they, they're very involved in the fabric here. Sonia? I'm Sonia Bovenkamp, and I'm the early childhood education director. So I'm in the nursery and adventure land, and I'm mom to two and a half kids. Two and a half kids. All right. That's good. All right. You get the half thing, right? Nod your head. <laughs> It's all good. Okay. So, Sonia, we're going to start with you. So, uh, the question that I asked you was this. If you had one opportunity to fill in that blank, God is blank, for your children, what would be the one, the one blank that you would fill in to instill inside of them that you would encourage every other parent in the room to fill in exactly the same way? So, God is safe. And the reason safe is that people in their lives are going to change. Um, we as parents may or may not be there for their whole, you know, childhood. And they need to know that God is the one safe thing for them. He will not judge them when they share their secrets. He will not betray them. He is their safety. He is their safety. Okay. And can you give, tell me, what are some practical ways you can instill that inside? What are some things you can actually do to help your child understand that God is safe? So what we've been focusing on as, a, as parents is really developing their relationship with God so they know who he is, but he, um, and that they can talk to him at any time. And it's really about them knowing God. Awesome. Fantastic. Chris, if you could fill in the blank, tell me what you'd fill it in with and why. I chose God is first. Um, if I had known that as a child, I probably would have learned to love better, have more grace, so that when I have a child that is exactly like me staring me in my face, I would know how to handle that. Um, <laughs> uh, have the patience and the, and the grace and the, and the humility to handle that. Um, so yeah, God is first. Okay. And how, what, what are some practical ways that you and Nikki have tried to instill that into your kids? What kind of opportunities have you given them to actually live that out? So we, we typically will, they'll come to us with a question that they'll get from the internet. I mean, it's kind of the, the life we live in right now. And so we try to take that and spin it so that we're taking it to Jesus to find out what he says about what the world is saying so we can frame that up and be mature about it. Okay, fantastic. All right, Nikki. 
So if you could fill in the blank, God is, for your kids, you only had one shot, what would you do put in there and why? God is enough. Um, I think um, we are all born with a God-sized hole in our hearts, and uh, we try desperately to fill that hole with um, people, you know, pleasing people, um, uh, media, stuff. We just, we try to fill that hole over and over again. And um, all the while, God is there just whispering, waiting for us to um, to let him be enough for us. Um, so I think that the only thing to fill a God-sized hole is God himself. So if I can instill that in my kids and have them know that throughout their life, it's going to make life a lot better. I wouldn't say easier, but definitely better <laughs> in the long run. So Absolutely. And what are some practical ways that you guys have gone about helping them understand that God's enough? Um, I think... Kids are a lot smarter than you think, and they watch you. Um, so if we don't model that ourselves, if we don't believe that God is enough for us and for our family, they're going to see that. So we try really hard, <laughs> not always making it exactly the way it should be, but uh, we try our best to, um, to model that, that God is enough for us um, in finances and um, in life generally. Um, God is enough. Okay, so. <laughs> fantastic. All right, Chad. So if you could fill it in, and you have one little baby girl, and she's adorable, and uh, that's because of your wife, not you, just so you exactly. know. Exactly. Um, Nothing to do with me. I get that. If you could fill in the blank as you're looking ahead, because you're such an expert on being a parent already, what would you fill it in with? What do you hope to? Uh, I'd say for Alicia and I, uh, one of the things that is important that we've kind of realized early on is that uh, God is the extended family. And we've been doing family services these last two weeks. And I want to talk for a minute to those of you in the room who maybe don't have kids that you're responsible for on a daily basis. Maybe you're single. Uh, maybe your kids are all grown up. Uh, maybe you're far away from family. Uh, you guys, I want you to know two things. Number one is this church is a community, is a family. And number two, this family has a lot of kids in it that need you because there's opportunities that you have to pour into these kids' lives that their parents can't pour into. So let me explain that for a minute. Uh, parents, there's going to come a time in your child's life when they're going to need another adult in their life besides you. Let me paint a picture for you. There's going to come a time your teenager comes home and they come home late from a date and you're asking them, hey, what's up? Now, for me, my daughter's not dating until she's 35, so that's besides the point. But they go up to the room, they don't want to talk to you about it, and, you, you know, if you were to come to me and say, hey, what do I do? I'd say, hey, you might be lucky if you can get it out of them, what's going on, but there's, there's a good chance they're not going to want to talk to you. And that's not a parenting fail, that's just the way that kids are wired. God has created kids to be independent and to eventually leave the nest. And so I would say to you, is there another adult that's in your child's life that you have leveraged to be a voice that's going to say the exact same thing that you would say if you were in the room with your kid. And so for those of you guys who are like me and are super protective and, and, and love your kids a lot, uh, it, so I'm speaking to myself 17 years from now, uh, the hard part is that a lot of times us as parents, we think that our job is to really hold our kids tightly when really the ultimate goal of parenting is to eventually let our kids go and to set them up for success. And so for those of you guys who don't have kids that you're responsible for on a daily basis, this is where we need you. And 
this is where in the, in the children's ministry we have people who are serving who are just like you, who that maybe their kids are grown up or maybe they're single and they haven't had kids, but they get to be that second or third voice in that kid's life that's going to say the exact same thing that their parents are going to say. So God is first, God is safe, God is enough, and God is extended family. The message we wanted to send to this entire church is this. We are responsible for the sacred trust of children at CTK. Not just individually and families. All of us have a role with all of our kids. Uh, to, to reinforce Chad's point, we, we reinvented something that I think is disappearing in our culture that should be showing up. We actually found godparents for our kids. And what I knew about Lou and Joyce Reimer in Steinbach, Manitoba, is that when my kids were sick and tired of talking to me, they could call Papa Lou and, and, and Joyce, and they would tell them exactly the same thing that I wanted to tell them in a different way and much nicer. And my kids always got exactly the same message. So if you're here like, like our family was, we didn't have any family around here when we first moved to Whatcom County. Can I tell you something? If you look around, there's a whole bunch of grandpas and grandmas and aunts and uncles that would love to adopt your kids and just love them to help you as you're walking through that process, okay? Can we say thanks to our panel for coming and helping us out? So as we're working through today, I want to give the kids an option as well. So if your kids get a little wiggly and you need something for them to do, in the back of the, of the worship center, you can zip them back there or walk them back there yourself. For pieces of paper and some crayon packages, I've been asking kids all weekend to do me a favor. I need pictures of God. So can you draw one for me? And maybe you want to bring it back next week or you can do it during the service. You can bring it back some other time. Interrupt me and come knock on my office door. Come and say hi. I would love for that to happen. I had a little girl in the last service. She brought me a blank piece of paper with a small little like light red circle. And she goes, this is a picture of God. And I said, is it? And I said, I don't really see anything on there. She goes, because he's invisible. <laughs> Smart kids at Christ the King, all right? So because we're doing things different, um, adults, I just want to encourage you today. We're going to kind of work in a different way than we normally do. And before we dive into this, I want you to understand that our heart in doing all of these two weeks of services is not so that we would become childish, but that so every adult in the room would understand what it means to be childlike. God has a group of adults, very smart people gathered around him at one point in scripture. And he, they ask him a question about how do we actually inherit the kingdom of God? And what does God do? He brings a little kid and drops him in the center of the circle and says, you need to learn how to be like that. Not childish, childlike. So let's have a childlike understanding because I asked a couple of kids to critique me from last week. And one little boy said, you should just tell a story. So you know what we're going to do this week? I'm just going to tell you a story. I heard this story the very first weekend that I ever brought Brayden to church. He was a couple of weeks old, wrapped in a little blue blanket. We were pastoring a church in Steinbach, Manitoba, Canada. I brought my kid into the church, and in typical smaller church fashion, he just got passed around to everybody. That kid didn't touch the ground for about 12 years. At least that's the way that it seemed. A little blue bundle just moving around. When I finally got Braden back, we sat in church, and I heard this story as a part, of that, a part of that very first weekend. And the story basically went like this. There was a man who was unbelievably dedicated to his job, to the point where he was one of those guys who would always bring work home on the weekends. Kids, if that's your parent, don't embarrass them now. Just give them a look, all right? 
They would always bring work home on the weekends. He was one of these dads who was unbelievably meticulous. So early on a Saturday morning, he would actually get up and he would go to his office. He would lock the door and he would begin his preparations. He would make sure that his laptop computer was open and that that the bottom uh, of the computer lined up perfectly with the bottom of his desk. He would pull out a series of pencils and he would arrange them on the desk in order of height because he's OCD just like I am. He would pull his telephone just close enough in case somebody very important made a phone call to him or he had to call out. And then he opened up his email folder and he began to work himself through all of this unbelievably important stuff that he just had to do on a Saturday morning until he got interrupted. A little tap came at the door and he opened the door to find his five-year-old son standing on the other side of the door. The little boy was wearing jeans and a baseball jersey. He had a baseball cap on backwards. He had a glove in one hand. He had a ball in the other hand. And he looked at his dad and said, you forgot. You forgot. And his dad said, I forgot what? He said, you promised me that we were going to play catch this morning. You told me if I got up early, if I got up before you got up and was waiting in the backyard that we would play catch this morning. And the dad experienced what probably every father in this room has at some point when you just realize that you have not met expectations. Now the dad, actually believing that he had a lot to do, tried to explain to his son that, son, this is just what you need to understand. You need to understand this, okay? If dad doesn't work, dad doesn't get a paycheck. If dad doesn't get a paycheck, then dad can't put food in the refrigerator. If dad can't put food in the refrigerator, you're not going to eat, so therefore dad has to work. Anybody else ever tried that logic with your kids? How'd that work for you? Right? Tried to explain to his son how the world really worked, but his little boy wasn't buying it. He said two words, you promised. So the dad said, well, look, I've got to get this work done. Look, my desk is completely assembled. It's ready to go, and you need to help me with this whole thing. So here's what I want you to do. I want you to go outside by yourself and maybe throw yourself some pop flies, play catch, throw it against the wall, whatever you need to do. But just go ahead and do that, and then I want you to come back to me in a little while. And if I'm done work, then we will go and play catch. The boy said, okay. Walked out. 6.3 minutes later. There was a knock at the door and the dad opened up the door because he hadn't even barely gotten into the first set of emails. Opened up the door, looked outside, the little boy standing there with his baseball glove and he's just like, is is this later? His dad said, no, 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 it's not later. I need you to go out again. Go out again and and do your thing just for for a lot longer than what you thought was later and then come back and if I'm done my work then I promise I'll come out and we'll play catch. The little boy shrugged his shoulders, turned around, walked away. The dad shut the door and locked it, went back, started working on the vitally important emails that I'm sure would would Has anybody else figured out that at the end of your life, you're not judged by how much work you got done? Just saying. Went back to his work that was oh so important in his mind. This time, 11.4 minutes later. There was a knock on the door, and he opened the door, and sure enough, the kid was standing there. He's just like, is this, is this later enough, Dad? Can we go play catch right now? And the dad's just like, no, you don't understand. I have so much work to do, so I need you to take as long as you've waited now, and I need you to like make it twice that, and then add a bunch more on the end. And if you come back then, and I'm done my work, I promise we'll go play catch. So the little boy walked away, the dad shut the door, went back to his oh-so-important work. This time, 21.2 minutes later, the knock came at the door, and this time the dad was frustrated, so he went and he opened the door, and he goes, look, it's not long enough. 
And his son said two words, you promise. The dad needed a plan. He was one of those fathers that had every back issue of National Geographic ever known to man. Anybody have a parent like that, right? Just line them up, right? These yellow spines of all of these books with these amazing pictures from around the world. And because the dad knew what was in every single one of them, because he was completely meticulous, he ran his finger down a series of these National Geographic magazines, pulled one out, and out of the back flap, he pulled a world map. He looked at his son and said, I've got something awesome for you to do. And he unfolded the map and he said, son, do you know what this is? And the boy was like, of course I know what it is. That's a map of the world. He goes, well, we're going to make a puzzle. And he walked over to his paper cutter, folded up the map in a way that they're not supposed to be folded because these things never did go back the way they were supposed to, right? Folded it up, stuck it in the paper cutter, cut it into about five to six hundred pieces turned to his son and smiled, swept it into a box, grabbed a roll of tape, walked over and said, this is going to be awesome. When you can come with the puzzle all back together again, I promise you I'll be ready to play catch. The dad is thinking, I'm a parental genius. The kid's thinking, my dad's an idiot. Anyway, no, he didn't think that. Anyway, okay, he looks at the box and says, okay, and disappears. And the dad goes back to work thinking, problem solved. I've got this thing figured out. This is perfect. 92 minutes later, there's a knock at the door. And his son is standing with a completely restored world map that now weighed about 17 pounds because of the tape. And he held it up and he said, uh, you promised. The dad said, uh, your mother helped you, didn't she? He said, yeah. Well, I did most of it myself. The dad was somewhat intrigued. How does a kid that young still manage, even with mom's help, to put that map back together again? So he asked him, how did you get it done so fast? How did you get all the pieces to go back together again? The boy flipped the map over and he said, Dad, what you couldn't see was on the other side of the map was a picture of a man. I don't know where the man came from. He was wearing a long robe, he had a long beard, and he had a very kind face. And I just thought to myself, if I could put the man together, then maybe the whole world would fall into place. Parents, adults of Christ the King, that's your job. That's your responsibility. Since the beginning of time, God has been trying to impress that on adults. Your job is to help the children of this church put the man together. Because if we can get them to put the man together, I promise you, their whole world will fall into place. If you don't believe me that God's been trying to impress that on our hearts for years... This, by the way, are my sermon notes for the whole morning. John 17, 3. Jesus speaking to a group of people saying this. Now this is eternal life, that they may know you. That they may know him. 
the only true God, and Jesus Christ, whom you have sent. Let me translate, let me translate this ancient language for you. This is what it means. It means, now this is eternal life, that they may know you, the only true God, and Jesus Christ, whom you have sent. Adults, I'm asking you this question. How are you filling in the blanks so that the kids of this church know absolutely who God is? What are you modeling for them? If they looked at your life right now, would they conclude God is peace? Or would they conclude God is chaos? Would they conclude that God is all-powerful? Or would they look at you and say, apparently, God's tired? Would they look and say, according to the people who I see, God is joy? Or would they make a very easy conclusion and go, apparently God is cranky. How are you feeling in the blank? Kids, you know why I wanted you in the room to hear this? Because I want you to be able to look your parents in the eye. Because it is not wrong for you to make this request of your folks and every other adult in this church. You look him in the eye and you say, you need to teach me who God is. You teach me who God is. And some of you are like, I have no idea how to do that. You know what? It's strange. Every time I see a mountain, there's an opportunity to teach our kids that God is awesome. Every time I open my cell phone and am distracted, I have an opportunity to correct their perception that God is always available and that I don't need to be distracted. When I am worrisome and everything is pressing down on me, that's a, gory, a glorious gospel or opportunity for me to teach them, no, God is in control. God is peace. God is teaching me. God is holding me. God is security. God is first. God is enough. Every moment of every single day is just rippled full of opportunities for us as adults to teach kids who God is. And God has laid a responsibility on all of our hearts to not be that dad. How many of us, we've just, if we were to be honest, it's like, wow. How many moms in the room would say, man, just not enough margin in my world to be able to pay attention when I needed to? You know, we're not alone in our, uh, our lack of ability to be able to get this right. You know, God's been speaking to people about this since the beginning of Scripture. Deuteronomy chapter 6. Hear, O Israel, let's personalize it. Hear, O Christ the King, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all of your strength. These commandments I give to you today are to be on your heart impress them on your children. You want to know what that word means? It means imprint it, stamp it on them, on their soul. Impress them on your children. Talk about them when you sit at home and when you walk along the road and when you lie down and when you get up. God just laid out just a beautiful plan there when it comes to kids. First thing in the morning, who are we talking about? We're talking about God. As we're walking along the road, who are we talking about? We're talking about God. At night, before we go to sleep, who are we talking about? We're talking about God. That's how we imprint. That's how we impress. That's how we fill in the blank accurately. Parents, for the rest of the summer, we're going to keep doing God is. 
God is courageous. God is joyful. Next week we're going to deal with God is disappointed slash disappointing. I mean, that was the second most popular answer we got back on our poll. We're going to unpack this stuff. And my prayer is that every single week you'll have an opportunity to share with your kids what you learned in church so that all together we can learn who God is. If you're ever wondering what your kids are doing on the other side of that wall, I'll tell you what it's not. It's not babysitting. We don't do babysitting at Christ the King. We're raising another generation of disciples on the other side of that wall. We're teaching kids scripture on the other side of that wall. We're modeling for kids how to worship God on the other side of that wall. We should be so unbelievably thankful what's happening on the other side of that wall. Because guys, I don't know if you know this or not, but someday they're actually not going to stay on the other side of the wall. They're going to invade us. And I don't know about you, but I'd like to leave a legacy behind of children who today have no question answering the question who God is. My kids are both moving into higher education. Here's what I know. Some of the classes that they are taking are set up diametrically opposed to everything that I ever taught them. And I could go try and put them in a bubble and protect them with everything that I'm worth, or I could do this. I could trust the fact that for the last 20 years that I've done everything I can as a dad, not always right, but everything I can as a dad to teach them that if they could just put the man together, that the whole world would fall into place. And I'm hoping my kids will go, hmm, professor with a bad comb over whom I've met for 10 classes, or my father who loves me, who represents a father who loves me. I think I'd go with the father who loves me. And you know what I'm looking at right now? I'm looking at a whole group of fathers and mothers and aunties and uncles and grandpas and grandmas who need to very seriously take God's call to action when he says your job is to teach them who God is. Can I get an amen from the older crowd in the room? Amen. Let's pray together this morning. God, thanks for a moment to tell a story and to talk about you. God, I pray that, that we would not lose as, as next week the kids move back to Adventureland and base camp. God, I pray that we would be so prayerful and mindful of what it is we're trying to pour into their lives. God, I pray that we would pray for Sonia and Rochelle and, and Karen and Chad and the whole children's team that just loves kids so desperately and wants them to know you. Father, I pray that we would not see it as babysitting, but that we would see it as investing in the disciples of the next generation. God, they're not the church of tomorrow, they're the church of today. So may we know that deeply in our souls. Father God, I thank you for my friends and family who've come here on this 4th of July weekend. God, as we celebrated our nation's independence on Friday night, we declare our complete and total dependence on you on the 6th of July. And God, may our dependence be ever more deep and ever more understood as we cast all of our cares on you. And we pray these things in Jesus' precious name. And all God's people said, Amen.